It's not about the sails or the songs or the snow. It's about a promise God gave us for every time we feel isolated, forgotten, lonely, for everyone who needs connection, closeness, warmth, or just to know they're not alone. This story is about Emmanuel, God with us. Good morning, good morning to both of you sitting in the audience this morning. Just kidding. If I haven't met you, my name is Josh. I serve uh, CTK Seven Valleys uh, Council and volunteer in a variety of ways here at our church. Um, Good morning. Happy New Year to everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning and Happy New Year. There we go. That's a little better. Both of you got it that time. Um... Kind of getting settled after the holidays, everybody kind of breathing, getting to relax just a little bit, hopefully, as you gear up for a new year. Um, hope that everybody had a, a good Christmas, got to connect with family and friends, and um, got to enjoy enjoy your time at the, uh, during the holiday season there. Um, Throughout the last several weeks uh, through the Christmas season, um, we've gotten to have the opportunity uh, to discuss an amazing uh, name, concept, and promise uh, of Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Uh, this comes from a familiar passage. Um, in Isaiah 7:14. it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Uh, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer real quick before we uh, dive into God's word here. Father God, praise you and thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Christmas season that we celebrate uh, your son, uh, that perfect gift, um, sending him uh, not only to be the perfect example for all of us, uh, but the perfect gift, um, Lord, that he, uh, he is the reason that we celebrate the fact that we can come to you um, forgiven, washed, clean, and uh, one of your sons and daughters. Uh, Lord, we just ask a blessing on the reading of your word this morning. Um, let me get out of the way so you can speak. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, getting back to kind of the Christmas season, I think a lot of us need Christmas every year. Um, I feel like people just get to the point towards the end of the year where we just need a reminder of what's been true all along, that God is with us. He's always been with us, and I so appreciate the Christmas season as it provides an opportunity for us to reflect on the truth that some 2,000 years ago, God demonstrated that fact that he is with us, so much so that he stepped away from his throne and became one of us. He lived among us, went through what we went through, feels what we feels, and all the while showing the right way to navigate this crazy thing called life uh, while having a right relationship with him. Uh, to get a flavor for the setting uh, which, uh, for which we received this prophecy, if you have your Bibles or if you have a Bible app, if you would turn with me uh, to the first chapter of Isaiah. Um, 
Isaiah was a prophet during the reign of four different kings in Judah, during a period of time where Israel was split into northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. I think I'm a little hot there. Uh, if you could turn me down just a hair. Um, and uh, Israel was prospering in lots of ways secularly, but they were almost constantly in spiritual decline, becoming more and more like the world around, uh, around them and less and less like the people that God had intended them to be, repeatedly turning from the Lord. Fitting that during this, uh, during this time in Israel's need to repent and turn back to God, that he would send them a prophet whose name means the Lord is salvation, similar to the names Jesus, Joshua, and Elisha. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul reminds us of the fact that Israel's events in history serve as examples and lessons for the rest of us. Therefore, we should learn from them. Let's take a look at that first chapter in Isaiah, verses 1 through 4. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows his owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. This reality check continues uh, for several more verses. Uh, but even as he calls out the rebellion of his people, God reminds us all of his grace and mercy later in the chapter with another familiar passage. Isaiah 1, 18 through 20 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be white like wool. If you obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Unfortunately, as scripture tells us, over and over, Israel's kings and people rebel and turn away from the Lord. They turn towards their own ways, following the rest of the, uh, the ways of the world. Uh, but scattered through the record of Israel's rebellion, captivity, and judgment are the promises and comfort of a God of grace and mercy. But before we're tempted to be hard on Israel's disobedience and rebellion, Let's remember how Paul said, as I alluded to earlier in 1 Corinthians 10, now that these things have happened as examples for us, that means all of us, so that we will not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. Throughout scripture, from cover to cover, we see time and time again how God always shows up. He's always with us. He pursues us. He loves us. He desires fellowship with us. But let's honestly ask ourselves, are we with him? Do our lives demonstrate a commitment to live in a way that both honors and pleases him? I think it's easy for us to look at the failures of others, and while we're not necessarily saying it out loud, we can think to ourselves, I am so glad that wasn't me that did that. Or, well, I'm not as bad as that person, or at least I don't do that. 
Jesus speaks to this in Luke 18, 9 through 14. Let's turn there to see what he says. Luke 18, 9 through 14 says, And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you, I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus speaking here says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. As I think back over my life, uh, I can recall, as I'm sure many of us can, lots of failures and successes. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, but as many of you know, that does not mean you got it right all the time. Uh, in fact, most of the time, you didn't get it right. Uh, to even go further, uh, if Christ was the center of your life and for that of your family, I think we tend to be even more aware of when we're getting it wrong in our failures. When compared to individuals and families that don't know Christ, they weren't raised in the church, uh, but they are, or they aren't living a life committed to, to him. Simply put, it's harder to have shadows where there's ample light. Um, when I was 15, I decided to spend my summer as a counselor in training at Furwood. Uh, we call it a CIT out there. Um, our local Christian camp just down the street at the time uh, you paid about a hundred bucks to go serve along other counselors and staff, uh, similar to an internship. Um, much of what I did as a CIT was grunt work, uh, but you got to participate in a lot of the cabin activities alongside your cabin's counselor. You got to do Bible studies, campouts away from the main camp, etc. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but much of what we did and how we did it was designed to call us as teenagers to step into servant leadership, to be uh, discipled by older, wiser, and more mature believers, uh, be in the same age or slightly older than the campers that we were serving, instead of participating as a camper, uh, doing all the activities, playing the games, having little to no responsibility, just being at camp, we were, in a sense, stepping out of the norm and into a type of what Christ calls us to do as Christians, to serve, to disciple, to be discipled, to grow in our faith towards maturity. Even in this setting at a Christian camp, as I mentioned before, it was easy to justify my own faults and weaknesses by comparing myself to fellow CITs. Many of them appeared focused on themselves and didn't, uh, didn't seem to be there for the right reasons. Some of them uh, were there just because they wanted to escape their home life for the summer. Some were focused on dating relationships. Uh, some were just there to have fun, uh, even at others' expense, cranking each other with some of them. Uh, I wonder if, uh, uh, if, you've, if they were even believers at all, uh, talking and acting like the rest of the world with no real evidence of salvation. In looking back, even though I felt like I did a good job overall while I was there, I am guilty of comparing myself to the others that I viewed worse than myself. 
being self-righteous and sounding a lot like that Pharisee that Jesus tells us about in Luke 18. I even received an award uh, at the end of the summer by the director um, at the end of my CIT summer. It was called the John Mark Award, uh, Fit for Ministry. But then years later, after several more years of being on summer staff, I remember feeling disappointed and let down that I, and that was that it was somewhat unfair that I didn't get a full-time position that I felt like I was entitled to. It's easy for us to point our fingers at those who are worshiping false gods, sacrificing to idols, or engaged in habitual sinful living that God's word clearly calls out. Being self-righteous, comparing ourselves to others, and thinking and feeling better of ourselves because we're not as bad as they are. But Jesus isn't calling out our behavior here, he's calling out our hearts. Luke 6, through 46 says, For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. In other words, we don't have a sinful heart because we're sinful. We are sinful because we have a sinful heart. Jesus uh, isn't just after modifying what we do, how we speak, think, and act. He wants our hearts to be after him. Only then will the behavior of our lives follow. So what does it mean to be with God? What does it look like to be with God? How do I make that leap from knowing that God is with us to being with him? It starts with repentance from sin and not from uh, uh, from sin and not from uh, following after seeking the Lord with our lives. When King David realized his sin was uh, when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, he cried out to the Lord in repentance. I believe that the heart uh, that is reflected in Psalm 51, paired with his pursuit of justice and mercy, is the reason that David earns the title "A Man After God's Heart," uh, God's own heart, uh, referenced in 1 Samuel 13:14 and Acts 13:22. Turning to Psalm 51, 1 through 17, we won't put it up, but I'll read it for you. Be gracious to me, and, and really listen to how the heart of David pleads to the Lord as you as you hear what he says here. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make, known wisdom, uh, make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David recognized his sin. He realized he had a sinful heart from the beginning and cried out to the Lord in humility and obedience. He didn't make excuses for his sin. He owned it, and he earnestly sought God's forgiveness and to be restored to a right relationship with him. This is where we as Christians need to start. Not just when we mess up, not just when we sin, but daily, moment by moment. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Next comes relationship. I like to compare this uh, to getting to know another person, becoming friends with someone. I recognize them for who they are and get to know them by listening to them and hearing what they have to say. Also by talking to, uh, to them about myself and what's important to me. Spending time with them, doing the things that they like to do together, etc. God is God. There is none higher. He should have the position of the utmost respect, fear, and honor in our lives. He's also our loving Father, our loving Heavenly Father, the Son of God, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, through which we are drawn to and have a relationship with him. He deserves all of our worship and praise. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. In it, he reveals history, his will, his plan, everything we need for righteous living are contained within the pages of scripture. We must read it to hear him. And he's got a lot to say to us in those 66 books. Prayer is the mechanism through which we communicate with him. It's how we talk to God. It's the way for us to praise him. It's how we ask him about our needs, our hurts, our plans, our desires, what makes us happy, what makes us sad. We literally have 24-7 access to be heard by the king of the universe. Well, the Wi-Fi connection's so good, he knows what you're going to ask even before you do. I'm going to admit that Sarah puts me to shame in this category, I have learned through her example uh, of praying constantly to be better about talking to God on a more regular basis. Last but not least, service. Jesus taught that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to learn to serve. He was the embodiment, the ultimate example of what servant leadership looks like. He even went so far to basically say time and time again, follow me and do as I do. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus literally lived out the instruction manual. John 1.14 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus wants us to follow after his example. Do the things he did. Say the things he said and daily, daily strive to be more like him. Jesus also said in John 14.15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Among two of the last instructions that Christ gave his, us following him, uh, instructions Christ gave us following his resurrection, 
The greatest sign establishing his power and authority are found in Mark 16, 15, where it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And in Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Along with how fitting it is that the year ends with us reflecting the Christmas season where we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, I find it equally as fitting that we often start the new year with a celebration of how uh, we're out with the old and with the new, with making New Year's resolutions to better ourselves, get in shape, lose weight, new goals. After reflecting on Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, moving to uh, asking ourselves, am I with God? A question that can only be answered by him and sought after by us to become a reality in our own lives. I'd like to invite the band to come back up as we close in prayer. And just as we kind of close today, just want to remind all of us of as we, as we step out of this with series where we've celebrated God with us as we have um, as, we, as we've celebrated through the Christmas season think about this new year as a new opportunity to be with God find opportunities to be closer to him spending time in his word spending time in prayer talk to him about the things that are on your heart talk to him about the things that are on your mind seek his will for your lives and then, uh, like I said lastly, service. Find ways to reach out and do the things that Christ did. Through, uh, through serving others, you serve him. All right, let's pray real quick. Father God, praise you and thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means to us and what it needs to mean to us. Um, Lord, I pray for obedience for all of us to your word as we seek to be with you. We know that you are always with us, but Lord, we ask that you would help us to be with you. Help us to follow the examples of, um, of Christ as we point to history with Israel and, and its failures and successes. Lord, we can learn from their mistakes and from their successes. Um, Lord, help us to seek to honor and please and serve you all the days of our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God, I give you what I can today. You scattered ashes that I hid 